Hey, thank you guys for coming this morning. My name is Paul. I am one of the pastors here, and it's wonderful to have you here, and to so thankful that you chose uh, to come here. Um, just want to share with you right, right now, we, um, we, we have the privilege and opportunity to send kids to camp, to get our kids up to a camp, and right now we have a group of high school kids that, they were up at Hume Lake, they're, they're coming down. Um, they're getting washed down, by the way, just down from the Sierras right now. So actually, that, that it's always a concern. So we're going to take a second. We're going to pray for them. But I just want to let you know that, that, that when we pray, we're, we're, we're going to pray because God has gifted us with uh, uh, the privilege of ministering to youth on our co-side. And, and when you see kids around, whether they're high school or, or middle school or even younger, realize that they're our kids. I mean, they are the kids that God has placed in our church family for us to be able to minister to and touch and, 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 and reach out to. And so... Um, we are going to pray right now just for their safety coming home. Obviously, that's a little bit of a concern since one of those kids is <laughs> mine. Um, and as, they, as, they, as, they, as they, they head home, and, and um, I'm sure everything will be, be good. But just more than just simply safety, but the things that um, happened in their lives up there, as God would speak, and there's great speakers and music, would, would just continue in their hearts and their lives as God builds them. Would you pray with me, please, for God right now? Thank you for what you do in people's lives continually and not just throwing that out, you, you really do. You want our kids to grow. You want them to experience the richness and fullness of salvation and faith in Christ and and lead them into leadership, into helping others experience that too. And I pray that lessons learned up there would stay and stick and uh, also for the safety thing and uh, may that happen. And God, right now, as the children around us um, in the different rooms are growing and learning may that make an indelible impression on their lives and, and then what we talk about here um, use me use my words in jesus name amen hey it's new year um, um happy new year uh, again we were, we were here last weekend but happy new year again um and i'm glad how many of you are glad 2016 is done any of you saying, man, that, that, that's really good. Yeah. I ended the year with a cold, a torn up knee, a torn up shoulder, and a mild concussion. And so um, I'm really glad we turned the page on that last year. So it's got to get better, right? Sometimes. <laughs> it may, it may, it may not. But either way, God is in it. Now, as, as, as your pastor, I want to start this year with actually kind of some looking ahead type stuff. Um, I think when we turn the calendar page, even though it's just simply turning a page over and the date changes on, on our calendar, um, uh, we say, well, that's just really nothing. But actually, we kind of think it's a time of new. You know, it really is. We have new resolutions. You know, we have new thoughts. We have new things, the way we're going to be doing things. And, and, and I want to start off this year with something that I think is pretty cool, um, something that reveals and shows how God is at work um, in us and um, around us and through the stuff that goes on in our lives, whether it's really good or, or whether it's really tough. Um, whatever we, we, we believe about the new year, it's going to bring things new. Things are going to be happening that are new in us. And that's to you as a person and, and to me and, and even to us as a church family. It just will. And so, so we're going to look at actually what God did in a guy's life a long time ago um, in a way that I hope will touch you and I hope will stretch you and help you grow. We're calling the series Facing My Future, and we're calling it that for two reasons, because first of all, we as a church kind of stand on, on, on a, I don't want to say a precipice, we're, we're kind of standing on a, a new verge of a lot of new things happening here, um, around here. We have looked out and, and we have seen in our community that there are a number of diverse people that we're not reaching yet, 
And as long as there are people who do not know Christ and are not understanding and worshiping God in a great place, then it's our call, it's our responsibility to reach out to them. And we want to do that well. So we're calling it kind of a new wave, and we have a new wave of ministries that are happening, a new way of reaching out to the community and and people even within as well, and we're looking forward to that. But the second reason is you as a person always stand at a point of growth, always. God is always wanting to do something new in you, always, every day. There's something new that God wants to do in you, and there's always growth. And, and I think one of the best books in the Bible that will talk about the challenges of growth and the challenges of trusting God in the midst of the growth is actually the Bible book called Joshua. And we are, for the next several weeks, going to be looking at the book of Joshua. Now, when, when you take your Bible and, and, and when you read it, you'll find actually that Joshua is, is pretty much towards the, the early part of the Old Testament. And it's right there. Okay, this is the first part of the Bible. This is the next part of the Bible. And Joshua's here. In fact, it's the sixth book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then, and then comes Joshua. And so it, it, it's fairly early on. And being in the Old Testament, it's going to tell me, and, and it'll tell you if you open it up and if you read it, it's going to tell you, being in the Old Testament, that God is going to be working through a group of people called the Israelites. That's what the Old Testament is about. God revealing himself, God revealing who he is, what he's like, and his plan that ultimately is fulfilled in Jesus through a people called the Israelites. And so this is actually part of, in the book of Joshua, part of the history of the Israelites. And so you're going to be reading what happens there. So it's got to, first of all, be re- revealing that. Now, now I, I, I want to introduce the book of Joshua. And, and, and because it is a historical book, there is um, um, some detail that you need to grasp, you need to understand. And, 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 and so I, I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. And so I, I put together something that I think is probably the most boring, dull way I can introduce the book of Joshua. So I'm going to turn your attention to the screen, and if you can just kind of bear through this, we'll see if you can make it through and stay awake through it. So go ahead, let's, uh, let's, let's hit it, okay? George Lucas, eat your heart out, huh? How about that? (laughs) You get that? You understand that? (laughs) 
a long time ago in a country desert far, far away. This thing actually happened, the whole thing that was going on here. Actually, for you visual learners, in order to kind of give you a little idea of the geography of the land, go ahead, Melissa, and hit that one. Now, this is a map we put here of, of Israel right there. It's Mediterranean Sea on the left side, and this is where Israel was actually camped right now, the whole nation. Two million people that are there, <clears throat> and God had promised them this land right here. And so the book of Joshua is how they crossed the river, and they entered into the land and took the southern part and took the northern part and took the central part and all of that. And now I know some of you are trying to read and understand the Bible, and you're thinking, yeah, this is why I have trouble reading and understanding the Bible. I mean, what's the big deal about that? You know, okay, a group of people were here, and they crossed the river, and they went here, and they, they moved here. What do I do with that? You know? I mean, I'm not trying to conquer Canaan. You know, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to figure out what to be when I want to grow up, you know? And I'm not trying to replace Moses. I'm trying to replace my car. And I'm working on relationships. I'm not, I'm not working on battling, you know, cities. And I'm not working on, on, <clears throat> on fighting armies like that. What do I do with this stuff? And this is what we, happens when we face the books of the Bible like this. And, and as we're going to be going through this for the next few weeks, this is what I'd love to have you do. First of all, see God. See God in this. See the God who worked then because it's the same God who's going to be working now. The same God back then is the same God who works now. See the God who has a purpose and a plan then has one now. And as we go through that, see God. God's plan that's being worked out. Second, I'd love to have you see yourself in Joshua. He's a guy who's put in a position of having to trust and rely on God. He's going into new territory, new areas, things that he'd never done before, and he's having to put his entire trust on God. And did that freak him out a little bit? We'll see that it did. He doesn't fly. He doesn't shoot lasers or have Jedi powers. He's a normal guy. And, and he sees that life is more than just simply waiting for the weekend. He's a person who said, I want to make a difference in my life. I want my life to make a difference somehow and somewhere in this world. And so, God, where, where you take me, I'm going to go. So see how God works through guys like us, like you and like me. So see God work out his plan and see yourself in Joshua. Here we go. Let's, this is how it starts out. It came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses. Now, if you catch something there, you'll, you'll, you'll see it. And maybe you didn't see it right away. Did you see how each of these people were described? There's two guys, Joshua and, and Moses. Do you see how each one's described? See how Moses is described? Moses is described as God's servant. Joshua is described as what? Moses' servant. And I, I don't know about you, but the phrase would kind of freak me out if I were Joshua, you know? Moses, you know, God's servant. Ta-da! You know, Joshua. Moses' servant. You know, it comes up second, last. And how would you like to follow and act like that? How would you like to have to follow someone like, like Moses? I remember, you know, ta-da, the first official message I ever gave in a church, you know, way back in 1810. You know, the first message <laughs> I gave in a church, and, and even though I remember it, I wanted everybody else, and I hope everybody else has forgotten it by now. But I remember very clearly it was, it was Sunday morning, and it was, it was Big Baptist Church. Now, now, some of you may have grown up in more of the formal um, um, churches back day, and, and, and we had pews back then. Do you remember pews? No? I think it's fun to say pew, but we had pews. Pews are these big wooden benches, and they're all kind of, they're, they're, they're fixed, and what's really cool about a pew is if you're sitting next to your girlfriend, you could what? 
you could scoot really close like that. It just kind of worked out really well for that one. Anyway, we had, we had uh, pews. And not only did they have pews out there, they had actually pews on stage. Now, the pews that were on stage, they had short ones here and a short one there. And the pews that were there, and the big choir loft back there, and they had more pews. It was big pew church. Anyway, they had um, um, these, these little benches that were here, these pews. And, and when the service started, the first song to come out, all the pastors would walk out formally in our suits and ties. We would walk out, and we'd march out, and we'd sit there, we'd, we'd stand there and sing the first song, and then we'd all sit there. And we'd have to sit through, through the entire service, okay? You'd sit up front, and you'd be staring out at the people, and the people would be staring out at you. And, and, and it was tough if you got sleepy or had to pick your nose or something like that. But... Uh, <laughs> Now my nose itches, by the way. Um, and I was this young punk kid, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing the message, you know, and I'm nervous as heck. And this was a great church. I mean, it was, it was a terrific church in so many ways. And, and, and one of their visions, and, and this was one that I want to have within our church family, is they measured their success not on their size and not on their income, not on their buildings. They measured their success on their ability to raise up people to go out either into ministry full-time or into the mission field. I mean, they saw that as being critical for them. It wasn't just simply building people up, but it was building people up in order to equip them to do the very things that God wants to do in the world. And, and, and so they had sent out a lot of people that end up becoming pastors and missionaries. And one of these was a guy who had been a very favorite and very loved associate pastor in the church for a number of years. And, and because of his skills and ability, Azusa Pacific University, a large university um, right next to our town, had... had had tapped him and, and hired him to become dean of students. And he was, of course, incredibly wildly loved by all the students there because of his personality and all that. And then he went on to become president of a huge international missions organization. Okay? Centered in Quito, Ecuador, they broadcast throughout the whole world. Okay? And he would speak throughout the whole world and, 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 and do all this kind of stuff. Um, his name was Dr. Ron Klein. He was about six foot four. He was huge, good looking, popular, world famous. And one of the most distinct parts about him was he had this incredibly deep voice. I mean, just this wonderful voice that you would just die for. Well, the Sunday morning I was supposed to speak, he just happened to be in the crowd that morning. And it just so happened that right before I, I was to speak, the pastor got up and said, our beloved friend, Dr. Ron Klein, is here with us today. And before our speaker gets up, I wonder if Dr. Klein would get up and say a few words to us. <laughs> And I'm going, not good. This is not good. So he did, and everyone's applauding, and he, and he, and he, and he comes up, and, and he stands behind the pulpit, and it was one of those big wooden things, you know, and he put one paw here, boom, and one paw here, you know, boom, and he leans in, and with this incredible voice says, it is so good to be here with all the people I love so much. And he's beginning to talk about what God's doing, and now I'm, I'm sitting back here, you know, behind him, and I'm watching here all the ladies just kind of going like this, you know, because... <laughs> He's doing his thing, and he talked about how God was doing this incredible stuff throughout the world, and I'm thinking, I am so dead, you know, right now. And then finally, after a couple minutes, he said, well, I don't want to take up all of John's time. <laughs> and I'm whispering, Paul, my name is Paul, my name is Paul. <laughs> but then he says, I want to say again, I love you all so much. And then he got down, they all clapped, and so Paul, who's now known as John, gets up and just kind of goes, you know, Hello, you know, hello, okay. Because that's how I felt, you know. Here I am following an act like that. Who was Moses? He is the superstar among superstars. I mean, you read through the Bible, and you will see his name come up again and again and again and again. I mean, he led him out of Israel. You know, he's the guy. He's dead before Pharaoh. 
He led them for 40 years. Major guy. He got the Ten Commandments. He's the Michael Jordan and the Babe Ruth and the George. He's everybody. He's God's servant. Joshua is just Moses' servant. This is what the Bible says. There's never been another prophet like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. Boom. How do you want to follow that one? How do you think Joshua felt? How do you think he felt? Well, we get a clue. Look at what God says, and we're going to put these verses together, and I think you'll begin to understand. God says to him, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. God says, be strong and very courageous. Verse 7, verse 9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. You know, three times God says to him, please, you got to be courageous in this. In fact, people get into it. They answer, Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Only wherever wherever you send us, we will go. Only be strong and courageous, you know. Please, be strong. Be courageous. You're now the guy. And is there a pattern here? And I would think, and I would guess, just from these verses here, that Joshua was a little freaked out about the whole deal. Moses, God's servant, is dead. And little old me, Moses' servant, is now in charge. He was a little bit daunted by what he was getting himself into. Now, I, I honestly believe that God oftentimes does best work through people who are sometimes scared to death but feel the touch of God that there was something that needs to be done, okay? They feel that there's something that needs to be done. Something needs to happen here. Something should be done. Who realize that there's more to life than news, weather, and sports and weekends and say, God, I feel that this needs to happen, and so I will be part of this thing that's happening. Don't know how. I'm not even sure I'm the right person, but I feel it within within the deep part of that something needs to go on. So how do you face that challenge when you're placed there? There's going to be three just simple points that come from, I think, what goes on here. First of all, realize that God's presence is going to be with you when you're like that. Let me read it, what it says. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant's dead, meaning basically it's done, it's over. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I've given you, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Isn't that cool? And he says this, Be strong and courageous, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. I'll be with you wherever you go. How would you like to be part of something that can't fail? You know? How would you like to say, what I'm part of, it can't fail? Well, guess what? We are. This thing called the church, you know? Jesus said, I'm going to build it. I'm going to make it. Hell's gates can't stop it can't stop it and that's why we can say the most important thing that god is doing in this world is in the local church the most important thing not on a country 
by country basis or election by election basis. It's people reaching individual people. So first of all, God's presence, he's saying, my presence is with you. Second is, God's word is in me. That's how I can find success. This is what he says next. God says this to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have success. Now, the book of the law that he's referring to, and again, this kind of jumps into the kind of the whole biblical theology. At this point in time, only five books of the Bible had been written, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In fact, the ink is just barely drying on this thing right now. But even back then, the Bible had authority. Even back that time, it was important. It's always been God's word to people. It's not to be a relic. God is saying to him, I want you to read it, and I want you to reread it. When he says, this book shall not depart from your mouth, it means talk about it. I mean, talk about this thing. I remember a long time ago, um, I'm having to fix a chair. You know, you fix a chair. When, when Lisa and I were married, we were, we were given a, a, a table and chair set, and it was oak. Um, this is back when country, remember country style was all big inside? Yeah, you're old. Um, so anyway, country was, was real. And, 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 and somebody gave us a, an, an antique oak table and, and these oak chairs. And they were really, really cool, but they were old, and they'd been sitting at a barn for a whole bunch of years. And so even though they had been fixed, after a while, they started to get a little bit wobbly. You know, they, they, they wobbled. And so pre-internet days, by the way, so I went to the library, and I got a book on how to fix chairs, okay? How to take them apart and how to glue them back together and how to repeg them and all that kind of stuff. Now, now the book told me all about how to fix a chair, but that book did not say anything about how to control my emotions when the chair didn't go back together right, okay? And the book didn't tell me how to react when the wood splits. And the, chair, and the book didn't tell me how to approach my wife when I spilled glue on the carpet. It didn't tell me any of that stuff. The Bible does. A golf book will tell you how to use you know, a long iron, but it tells you nothing how to res- on how to respond when you hit three straight balls in the water. God's Word does. Basketball handbook will tell me how to make a layup. God's Word will tell me how to sit on the bench. You you see that? You see how it causes me to understand how to live life? How to understand life? It doesn't give me all the ins and outs on how to fix my modem when it kicks out or, 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 or how to do this or how to do that, but it tells me how to be. Joshua will not get battle plans or game cheats from the Bible. He gets who God is. And a lot of times we say, I don't, I, well, yeah, it's great. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get into this thing. I mean, it's a big book. There's a lot of pages here, and there's a lot of fine print, and there's a lot of names, and there's a lot of things that are going on here, and I don't always have a Star Wars thing that's going up really cool by Paul that was made it and spent all the time doing it to, to tell me everything that's going on. How in the, how in the world do I go through it? Um, I think it will start you out easy. Just read the New Testament. Start in Matthew and go all the way through it. It'll tell you who Jesus is. And it'll tell you then what this church thing that he started did. And then it'll tell you about really how to live your life on that one. And once you're done with the New Testament, come see me. And I'll buy you a cup of coffee and we can talk about where to go next. Because it'll change your life. It will change your life. And what God said is, look, Joshua, if you want to be successful, this is it. 
I'm not giving you the strategy on how to do this and how to do that. I'm going to give you on how to be, how to be, because how to be is the mainspring of the whole, the whole deal. Next thing, third thing is you get people around you. He's got two million people around him who love Moses. He's got two million people to lead, and he's got to do something that Moses never did. He's got to take land. I mentioned this a moment ago. They answered, Joshua, we will do whatever you command us. We will go wherever you send us. Now, how would you feel if you were a leader and you heard that from people? How would you feel? Honestly, I believe I can do just about anything with the right people around me. I really do. That Monday after I spoke, um, 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 I had a knock on my office door at the church I was working at, and it was Dr. Ron Klein. You know, he came by to say, hey, and he came in larger than life, and he sat down, um, and he smiled at me, and I just looked at him straight in the eye, and I said, that was so unfair. (laughs) (laughs) And he just laughed, big bear laugh, you know, and he said, that was kind of tough on you, wasn't it? And I said, yeah, and then we both laughed about the whole thing, and, and we had a chance to talk, and he asked about my schooling, and and he talked about my dreams and, and my vision for life. And, and, and it was interesting. He said, you know, he said, he said, you know, my job is easy. He said, I come to a church and pop in, say a few things, and people think I'm wonderful, you know. He said, in fact, I only got four sermons I ever preach. Just four. That's all I have. Because I'm only here and there, and, and, I, and I go around. He said, it's you guys who have the hard work of day after day, week after week, taking care of and building up people. And, and, and the church I was at was called Grace, Grace Baptist Church. And he said uh, to me, um, you know, Grace Baptist is kind of known for being hard on pastors. It's hard. And he said, you know, if you can make it here at Grace, you can make it anywhere. And then he said to me, you'll do fine, kid. You'll do fine. I needed to hear that. And I didn't even mind being called kid, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I can do things with people around me. I really can. I think I can do anything. And that's why the Bible tells us, encourage one another day after day. Not just once in a while, day after day after day. I was thinking about some of the, the, the quote Joshua's that we have you know, here, you guys and others, and even then thinking on staff. You know, um, It's easy to get discouraged. That's why we're called to encourage one another because it's so easy to get discouraged, so easy. You know, we have um, great workers here, volunteers. They work with your children. You know, they work with your kids. They need encouragement because they can get discouraged. Find out who your kid's teacher is. I want you to write them a note this week and say, thank you for what you do. Thank you. Encourage them that way. Caitlin, she oversees children's ministry. She's got a lot of kids under her care and a lot of volunteers. Why don't you just sometime come up to her and say, I don't know you very well, but thank you for what you do. I appreciate you. Brandon works with our youth. He's, he's here three or four nights a week here, working with college and middle school and high school kids. That's tough. It's tough on a guy. It's tough on a marriage. You know that? Why don't you go sometime to, to he and Jessica and say, hey, we appreciate you guys. I appreciate you. Send them a note. Say, you know, if there's anything you need me to do, I'll, I'll do it. Because you're working with our kids. And again, when I say our kids, I mean our kids. Whether you've got kids here or not, they're our kids. They're ours because we're, we're raising them up. Len, 
but he does. Putting together life groups and all the things that he's doing. Go up to him sometime and say, thank you for what you're doing because it means a lot and it makes a difference. This is not the first time Joshua has been on the scene, by the way. His name has appeared before. In fact, 40 years before, the Israelites were pretty much at the same place, really close, exactly the same place. And they're getting ready to go into the land. And in order, before they went in, they sent out spies. This is the great story of the spies of Israel. And, and, and they sent out advanced scouts to check out the place. Twelve went in, twelve came back. And it's a great story. It's a terrific story. And, and, and they came back and they had a report. And they all sat down in front of Moses and some of the leaders. And, and, and they, they did a vote. Should we go in or should we not? The vote was 10 to 2. Ten said, no way, not a chance, no way. It's a nice land, it's a good place, you know, they got good beaches and all that kind of stuff and good ways, but the people there are too big and they're too strong. Not a chance, we're not going to go, it can't happen. There were two guys that said, we can do it. Our God is bigger than anything they can throw at us. One of them was a guy named Caleb, and we're going to meet him in a few weeks. It's a terrific story. The other one was named who? Joshua. And it was a dream that he had that God could do something big through him. And he carried that dream for 40 years. I was sitting with our staff on Thursday, um, this, this Thursday morning, and, and, and you know, we, we have a staff time where we pray for each other and we kind of talk about what's going on in our lives and our ministry. And, and, and of course, you know, it was cold. I was complaining about the cold and the rain and my knee and my shoulder, you know, and, and, and my age. I'm complaining about everything. You know? And it's kind of one of those days where you look for something more that you can complain about. Have you ever had one of those days? You know, you just, just give me something more I can find. You know, I'm just looking for things, you know, that I can c- complain about, you know. And, and I was going through the post-Christmas letdown, by the way. You know, pastors go through this huge Christmas letdown. I'm going through that and all that, and, and I'm thinking about what I can complain about. And, and I was thinking as I was sitting there, I'm really not looking forward to the day ahead of me. I'm not even looking forward to the weekend that i got to speak, which is this weekend, which should be really scary for you guys, by the way, if I'm not even looking forward to this one as well. And a question popped into my mind, and, and, and sometimes you know, questions just kind of pop you know, in, in, into your head, and you think about, well, if this is a strong question, you know, I'm not saying God's speaking to you, but it's God saying you need to kind of go in this direction in your thinking. And this one, and, and, and the question that popped into my mind is, Paul, what are you expecting God to do through you this weekend? I don't like the question. It was uh, a kind of didn't like that, you know, you like, you know, because it's rubbing you. And you probably need to ask yourself. And so I asked myself, Paul, what are you expecting God to do this weekend? And the answer is, not much. And I thought, I'm not sure that's a good answer. And so, so I said, you know, I, I, I said, there's a question we need to ask ourselves right now. You know, we're, we're all talking. And I said, we need to ask ourselves, what are we, what are we expecting God to do? So I said, Brandon, let me ask you a question. Um, what are you expecting God to do at camp this weekend? What are you expecting God to do at camp this weekend? And please tell me that it's more than just that we would get up there safely and back. Please tell me that there's more to it than that. Caitlin, I said, what are you expecting God to do through you and your ministry this weekend? Please tell me it's more than just all the workers would show up and show up on time. Do you see, you see where this is going? You see what we're talking about? I asked myself, what am I expecting God to do during my message? Paul, please tell me. It's not just I want to get through it. 
And so we talked about it, and, and we thought, you know, I think if we expect little, little's going to happen, you know? If we expect very little to happen, then we're not going to be prepared for anything else. In fact, Jesus made a statement that is a little challenging and a lot challenging. Um, um, if you expect little, little will happen. If you expect much, much will happen. May it be done to you according to your what? According to your faith. And so I said to them, you know, each week, because we have some questions I always put on a little funny little thing on, on the board. I said, each week I'm going to add a question, and the question that I'm adding is, what are you expecting God to do through you this week? What are you expecting God to do through you this week? And so I'm going to turn that question away from staff to you. What are you expecting God to do through you this week? What are you expecting God to do through you this week? Survive? Is that the best God can do is help me survive, you know? When I talk about the message, is that the best I can do is ask God to help me get through it? Is that the best I think God can do? Or can God do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all I could ever ask or think? You see where we go on this one? What are you expecting God to do in your life today? Oh, go home, eat lunch, watch the, the game. Or can you expect God to somehow build a dynamic in you that can weld you closer together to your partner, to your wife, to your husband, to your kids? Do you expect God to help you encourage your kids in a way that you never have before? To give you an understanding of his will as you reach out maybe to your neighbors, people around you? Today I'm expecting God to speak to you about what you face, and say, wow, what an opportunity to move ahead. And I am going to abandon my fears and take those dreams that God has placed in my heart and in my life, and I'm going to step out and step forward. Even though I'm scared to death, I'm going to do it. To more than just survive this thing, but to thrive in it. I don't want us as a church to demean God by asking too little, you know? by asking too little. I don't want to do that. I want us to honor God by saying, God, you are a God who said the gates of hell can't stop a church growing. So we're going we're gonna to push it as far out as we can, maybe scared to death, and we're going to go out in faith and say, yeah, our God is worth this kind of faith because he's asked us to do that. Let's not demean. Let's not belittle God by asking too little or setting our sights too short. Big, bigger. So when we're talking about a kind of a whole new wave thing that's happening, yeah, we're going to be talking about some building stuff and we're going to be talking about some money raising. We're talking about ministry happening and launching out stuff that, well, we haven't done before. It would be a whole lot easier just to sit here very comfortably and say, let's be nice in our little space. But I don't want to demean God by asking for just simply us being comfortable in our nice little space. But to do the very thing that God's asked us to do. So we face life's challenges. We're going, we're going to. Um, we're going to face our future. I want to face it with excitement and anticipation. 
Because that's what we're made for, to do what God would want. And I want to ask the worship team to come on up, and I'm going to finish just with a moment for us to kind of reflect on the things that we've said and, and invite you to bow your head with me, please. Would, would you please, if I can pray with you or just kind of help you think through some things right now. This is not just a day. This is not just a Sunday in January. This is a day like no other, absolutely like no other. And you have opportunities that will arise in your life today will never be open for you again, ever. Words to be able to share to someone you care about or opportunities to forgive someone that you've held a grudge against for a long time. There's no other day like today, none. So do something with it, please, please. God, give me the courage to do that. Help us to not be, help us not to be afraid. Help us to be strong, courageous. Knowing, God, that you walk with us, you walk with me. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for your word. It changes me on the inside, and thank you for people around me. And now I pray, God, for this church, this place, this movement. Nothing can stop it. May we believe that and act on that. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you for coming um, this weekend. I'm really glad that you're here. Um, glad that hopefully a guy will do something great in your life. Um, come back next week. Bring somebody. Invite someone. We're going to be talking about another fun story. Um, and, and I hope you'll really enjoy it. I hope you'll grow you and everybody else. We're going to invite you to stand together. We're going to finish with a final song. Again, God bless you guys. Have a safe, <laughs> dry, and thrilling day. Okay.